I tell you what, Bellamy had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Let me tell you something. The Sixers, it, it, that last night had nothing to do with Doc. It had to do with a butt kicking from pillar to post. And when you don't have Joel Embiid on the court, that team does not have a prayer. It is Cantia Carlin. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on Twitter, at Chris Carlin, at Chris Canty. Hit us up on the CC call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. Let's just get into it because that was, you know, it was nice to watch for a little while and see that they were actually hanging in there. And then third quarter, early fourth quarter, good night. This was over, and it was over predictably. And Chris... It's not there for James Harden right now. They don't have a chance to win these games against a team like Miami without Harden. I can watch the I can watch the Heat play without Kyle Lowry and not have a problem against this team. Right now, the Sixers are dead in the water without Embiid. Big fella, you know the one thing I can't figure out when it comes to the conversation around James Harden? Everybody continues to talk about James Harden deciding that he wants to be more of a facilitator at this stage in his career rather than a volume scorer. And that's all well and good. But when I looked at the second half of that game yesterday, James Harden had two assists. Yeah. That's it. Two assists. He had two assists and four shot attempts, only made one of them in the second half of that game. Well, to get in a second half in which they got boat raced by the Miami Heat. In a third quarter where they got outscored 30-21 to 21 and they allowed seven second-chance points. When you do that against a team as well-coached as the Miami Heat, a team that plays hard as long as they do, you're not going to give yourself a chance. So unless James Harden decides that he's going to show up and be more of a factor, be it more of a guy that can create opportunities for himself and others, then the Philadelphia 76ers have no shot. They don't have a chance. And if they don't get a split down in Miami, we talked about this proposition yesterday. You're talking about them coming back to Philly down 0-2 and having to win four of the next five games in order to advance. Good luck trying to do that against the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It's easier to facilitate when you have Joel Embiid on the floor. Guess what? Off of passes from James Harden last night, the rest of the Sixers were 0-10 for from three. And you're not going to get an assist and facilitate when other guys are not going to knock down shots, and I'm not blaming the other guys, it's easier to do when Embiid's a presence out on the floor. So that's a problem. Well, hold on now. we got to stop right there. You're not blaming the other guys, but I am. They can't shoot. Carlin, they were 6-34 of 34 from three. This team can't shoot. If you would have asked me who's the best shooter on the floor in last night's game for the Sixers, who is it? It's James Harden. Harden. He yeah. should be. And so when I start to look at and that's the why schematic, they were doubling them, when I start, them at times. but that's my whole point. When I start to look at the X's and O's, maybe Doc Rivers has to be more creative about how you're using James Harden. But, but maybe but, but, this hang is, on, though. If, if James Harden's physical abilities don't allow you to be that creative, in other words, his average shot last night was basically from 18, 19 feet. He was not driving. So you can't be as creative with James Harden when his game is limited now. But here's what I, I got to ask you this question. Does James Harden have to be on the ball the entire game? No. no. You got Tyrese Maxey, who was yeah. more than capable. That guy is a blur when he has the ball in his hands. And there were plenty of opportunities where you saw blow-bys by Tyrese Maxey getting past the primary defender and finishing at the rim. My whole point is this. If you know that James Harden is the best shot maker that you have, then why not have James Harden off the ball, run some down screens, and being able to pull him up and allow him to have opportunities to get open looks at the basket from deep? 
All I'm simply saying is I, this. I don't know how many open looks he's getting without a beat on the floor because they were paying a lot of attention but, to but, him. But, Carlin, and that's what I'm saying. I know they were paying a lot of attention to him. That's why you have to be even more intentional about trying to find ways to free him up to get him shots from deep. If for no other reason, to space the floor and create other looks for other guys that aren't necessarily as prolific when it comes to shooting the ball from deep. All I'm saying is everything for the Sixers on offense was hard. That has to stop. Tobias Harris was great. Tobias Harris did above and beyond what I thought he was capable of. He had 27 points last night and 14 of that in the first half where the Heat went into halftime with a one-point lead. I got what I was looking for from Tobias Harris. I didn't get that from James Harden. And as a result, I think that's, that limited what we could see from Tyrese Maxey as well. Here's Harden on what went wrong in the second half last night. I think you just watch film and see what we can do consistently. Um, first half, it was working. Uh, second half, I think we slowed up a little bit more. Um, you know, just, just having a purpose on, on, on the offensive floor and, um, and executing it. You know, whether we just, just getting a good shot every single time. I think tonight, we, we, especially in the second half, we got some good looks. Um, could have been better, but I feel like we got some good looks. And, um, you know, with our shooters, Danny and George and, um, you know, Tyrese, we'll be living with those. But this was not all just about other guys missing shots, mm-hmm. okay? This was also about the fact that Harden himself is is somewhat limited in what we can do. And we'll get to him and how he plays into the future here in a bit. Can you right now draw up any kind of a game plan or any kind of a scenario where the Sixers can beat the Heat in Game 2? Do you see that at all in Game 2 without Embiid on the floor? No, I thought that first half last night was their best punch against Miami. Yeah, and I think that when you're getting Embiid back in Game 3, it's not going to be the same Embiid. He's probably going to be wearing the face mask. It takes time to get used to. I think they are toast in this series. I think they're absolute toast. Yeah, I don't think they have a chance. I think this is about spinning it forward and seeing what happens with the Sixers, and a big question mark has to be Doc Rivers. And Carl and I get it. We talked to Derek Bodner, who's on the Daily Six, and he's as plugged in as anybody that covers the Philadelphia 76ers. And he says there's less pressure on Doc because he doesn't have his best player. I I don't see it that way. I just don't. Doc Rivers is a part of the reason why Joel Embiid is not available in the first couple of these games of this series because he kept him in in a game where you had a 29-point lead with less than eight minutes to go. You allowed him to be in a situation where he caught that elbow from Pascal Siakam when he was going to the rack. That, that You created that situation. Nobody else. And, Colin, it's not like we didn't see it coming. We talked about it earlier in the series. Why isn't he finding more opportunities to get rest for Joel and for James? And he just didn't do it even though he had 20-point leads. It's ridiculous. And, and, and so I can't, I can't give Doc Rivers a pass because he doesn't have his best player going up against the best team in the conference. I'm not. If you think that Doc all of a sudden saved his job when Embiid went down, you're out of your mind. I, I don't I don't see that at all. I, I think either way, when they lose this series, Doc is going to be out. If the only way that Doc would have kept – you think he's keeping his job? No, 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 no he, here's what I'll say. If Joel Embiid is in this series and he's healthy – but they lose. This, I don't. I don't. I don't. Here's what I'll say: If it's a seven-game series, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Doc gets fired. I don't. I don't. I, I do. I, I do. don't. I don't. I, I, I don't this, see that. At this point, I do, and I think Doc. It's is a probably, hypothetical that we'll never be able to prove because we don't have Joel for the entire series. And, and it's amazing that this has been the case, and I know why it is. But it, Doc just shows like he's getting more and more aggravated with dealing with questions about him as a coach. And those questions seem to get 
more and more uh, abundant as this goes along in his career, and he doesn't want to hear about it in Philadelphia anymore. Like, how, how dare anybody question who I am and what I have done and why my teams don't seem to get home and win the big games when it matters the most? I mean, he got it done once with the Celtics, but let's be, if we're being truly fair about it, man, that, that was a such coach, a good, that was such a good team, though. I know it was. That was such a good That's team. That's my point. Are, <laughs> are we being fair to say Doc should have at least three championships under his belt? He, and in all of what I he think you could done, argue there should be another one on his resume. At no least doubt about another it. one, if not yeah, two more. Yeah. At least another one, But, if but not Carlin, two more. to your point, though, about the questions that Doc has been getting, he's been around coaching in the NBA but that's two, what I don't get. for two decades. That's what he knows that at some point, perception becomes reality. And all of these media but members But doesn't he seem more aggravated about it now than he ever did before? Oh, yeah, he's feeling yeah. the pressure. It's heating up. That seat is warm. There's no question about that, Carlin. But I think it's justifiably so. There's a reason why there's all of this noise around whether or not Doc is the right guy to lead them to a championship level. I mean, when you look at some of the coaches that he's going to be going up against, do you feel as good about Doc Rivers as you do Coach Bud in Milwaukee? No. Do you feel good about Doc Rivers as you do with Eric Spolstra? Oh, God, no. Listen, Ime Adoka is in his first year with the Boston Celtics. Do you feel as good about Doc Rivers as you do Ime Adoka? Nope. That's my point. So if, if I'm going into every series against the teams in the Eastern Conference that are going to be contending for championships in the foreseeable future, I'm at a deficit when it comes to the head coaching spot. If you're Daryl Morey, if you're the owner of the Sixers, that's a problem yeah. when I got a guy that's going to finish top two in the MVP voting. This is why I don't think even a seven-game series with a healthy Embiid would have saved him. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN. I got to hear from Doc a little bit less from last night. Because I, I want to hear what he had to say about this game. Admittedly, I've not heard it yet. Do we? Is there, is there any kind of music that would go with a denial? I don't know. Uh, let me just hear <laughs> if I can spot any kind of denial of responsibility from Doc Rivers. He's like an insurance company. <laughs> he, he will not accept responsibility. Here's Doc. You know, six for 34 from the three-point line, you're never going to win a game. When you shoot like that, uh, guys, I thought 27 of them were, were absolutely draw up great looks. Um, I still didn't like how we played, though. I didn't like um, I didn't like how we moved the ball. I thought we we, we passed late tonight. Um, just from my role, I have to watch the video. Uh, I thought the physicality affected us tonight. I thought they got into us, and that had an impact on us. But I, I really did. I just thought there were too many times. When we put the ball on the floor, the pass was there, and then we take that extra dribble, and then by the time we passed it, they got there. So uh, that's what I saw visually. <laughs> <laughs> yes! The Doc Rivers anthem right here. This is it. This is uh, it. That is fine work by the guys behind the well glass. Done. Ryan Matlack and Shannon Penn getting it done. Now we, now, we, now from now on, I'm just going to call Doc Shaggy. Is that's it? all I'm going to do. <laughs> Shaggy Rivers. I, yeah, that's really that's really what it feels like. You notice he he drew he threw in there at the beginning. I thought 27 of those shots, you know, draw it up. They were great shots. Draw it up. Draw it up. <laughs> right now, look. Right now, they're in. They're in awfully big trouble and it leads to much bigger questions in addition to his future which to me is a foregone conclusion right now chris you can't pay james harden you and i don't care about the idea that you don't have a choice 
If you pay James Harden a max contract, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be dead for the next five years. Just absolutely dead. You cannot do this with Joel Embiid on this team, with Tyrese Maxey on this team. That is going to hamstring the future of this organization. It's going to lead to Embiid trying to get to somewhere else. There is nothing wrong with just saying, you do what you got to do. We're going to pass on signing you to a max contract. If you want to come back, you want to opt into your contract, do it. Great. Awesome. We'll take it for a year. Well, well, we're not giving you $250 million. Well, big fella, when you have a spicy take like that, that belongs with Straight Talk. So it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And I'm with you a 1,000%. We talked about this a little bit before the show, and I don't necessarily think it's the worst idea. The 76ers have some options when it comes to how they want to manage James Harden because I'll admit I was in the camp of folks that believe once they made the trade – that they were going to be obligated to give James Harden that extension. What is it going to be? Five years, two hundred and seventy yeah, so million dollars. Just an obscene it amount was of money. An, an assumption. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't even a discussion as yeah, to whether yeah, that would happen. It was just because of what they gave up with Ben Simmons and then Seth Curry and Andre Drummond as a throw. And you just assumed that this was going to happen because they're committed to this tandem with Harden and Embiid for the foreseeable future. But I don't necessarily think that has to be the case because you do have a guy in Tyrese Maxey that's emerging as a young star. And I'd like to see how that movie ends. And this is a guy that's more than capable of being able to play the point guard position in the NBA and be a difference maker. So I don't necessarily know that it has to be James Harden as your number two. As a matter of fact, I don't think you're winning a championship with James Harden as your second best player every single night. Not the version of James Harden that we've seen since he got to Philly. So I don't think it's I don't think it's the wildest idea for the 76ers to play out the string with Harden if he wants to accept the player option for forty seven and a half million next season. Okay, maybe that's something that you can live with just because it's a one year proposition. He'll be settled. He'll have another year, another playoff run with Joel Embiid. We'll see how that works. But if it doesn't, then Philadelphia has flexibility in terms of their cap to do different things, to retool this roster. And maybe it just ends up being filling in with role players around Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. I don't think that's an awful idea. There are also going to be some guys that are going to be free agents that are all-star caliber players. You brought up Brad Beal coming up this summer. Why not? We could see whether or not that's a possibility if James Harden opts out. All I'm simply saying is this. It's not a foregone conclusion that James Harden has to be a part of the future for the Philadelphia 76ers, especially if you're talking about giving him that kind of commitment. $270 million for what we're watching? I, I I don't know if I can buy that. Chris, and this is on Daryl Morey, okay? The the relationship, Harden has been trying forever to get to play with for Daryl Morey again. Mm. And he forced his way out of Brooklyn. Maybe he never wanted to go Wouldn't to Brooklyn Wouldn't you want to play place. for Daryl Morey, though? Again, yes, if you're when James he Harden, does anything you, I want you him get, to do, You yes. give me everything I yes. want. I mean, with Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, well, that's, Russell this is, Westbrook, this whatever, is the point. whatever it is that I want, you've given me. So why would I not want to play for you again? Well, this is the point. This is on Daryl Morey to basically step up and and stand up to James Harden and say, look, we can't do this. We can't have you be this player right now and justify that level of money. If you're Daryl Morey, you cannot be afraid to say, if James Harden tells you to basically, you know, take a walk, take a walk. We're good. We'll figure it out. I got two centerpiece players to work with. 
to build toward the future. And by the way, they will be lining up to play with these guys. Lining up. Harden long-term with the Sixers is going to destroy that dynamic. It's going to destroy their salary cap. You're going to waste prime Joel Embiid if you sign Harden to that I'll extension. take it a step further. Embiid will try to get his way out of here in a couple of years. Within two years? Are you kidding me? You think Embiid's going to sit around with James Harden and he's killing the organization? Here's, here's, what, I, here's, here's what I will say. Tyrese Maxey will develop into a player that's good enough to have the Sixers in the playoffs in contending. It's not going to be a first-round exit, even if you do have Harden on but that if, ridiculous but if contract. But realizes that Harden is the guy that is holding them back from winning a championship, it's gonna, it, there's going to reach a point where it's him or me. You, if well, he has Sixers, a combustible rep, He's got a combustible personality. Yeah. So I, he's not going to mince words when it comes to how he feels about players, particularly guys that are teammates. You saw how he reacted at the end of that playoff series well, against the Hawks that with Ben Simmons. You saw how he was... After that series. And you also saw how he was. By the way, you also saw how he was last series with Harden when he said, we need him to be more aggressive. And what happens last night when Embiid's not even on the floor, Harden's taking 13 shots. That's not being more aggressive. How do you only take four shots in the second half? I don't know. I thought James Harden was supposed to be the closer for this team. I thought that was a big part of why Daryl Morey brought him over from Brooklyn. Here's a guy that we can actually trust to have the ball in his hands late that can actually make shots. He can knock down threes. He can make free throws. How long has it been since the Sixers have had a guy like that? That's what James Harden's role is supposed to be. And he's shying away from it. I don't understand it. If it's not James Harden, Carlin, then who is it? Listen, you need to look elsewhere. If it's not James Harden... Bradley Beal's not a bad way to look. You can, you will have other players around the league, even guys who are not free agents, who are looking at their situation, have been trying to figure out how to get out and figure out how to get there. Yeah. And now, like, wow, okay, this is a, that's a pretty good spot for me to be. Yeah. I can go win there with those two guys, no question. This has been Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. The bigger issue for the Sixers is not who else, because you have those two players. It's not this guy. <laughs> I, no, I'm serious. Like, that's it. It's not this guy. I cannot allow him and his contract to ruin us. And James Harden, if the Sixers give him $270 million, is going to ruin the Philadelphia 76ers. The pro- I mean, they'll be back in the process. They may as well call Hanky in a couple of years. So, man, it's, a, it's hard to think that they would be moving off of James Harden that quickly. But I'm just sitting there thinking about the trade with Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets. Did anyone really win that trade? That's a great question, and we'll answer it coming up in just moments. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. My friends, let me tell you a little something about our good, good people over at Indeed. If your summer hiring program is heating up, then make the whole process more chill with Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post, get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can even schedule and conduct a virtual interview all from the Indeed website. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Get $75 toward your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. So, did anybody win this trade? Mm. We'll discuss next. Canty and Carla, ESPN Radio.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It's not like we're surprising him on anything. Come on. He's literally seen every single coverage. It's not like you can speed him up. You can't rattle him. And although James Harden hasn't been the player he's been in the past, I think they know he's someone who's capable of going for 40, 50, even 60 points possibly. So they threw everything at the book at him with different coverages, different looks. Several different guys guarded him. But hey, it ain't easy winning in the playoffs. You're going to face great teams, great players. He's not capable of doing that anymore. He's, no. He's not. No, I mean, listen. I know Matt. You Barnes, still have to respect. I know him. Matt Barnes has the all up, up and smoke podcast, and, yeah. and he does that. He he might have he might have he might have had some smoke when he came up with that take. Listen, I'm just saying. You, you got to live up to the name of the podcast. It's a great podcast. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the point is, <laughs> but his that, analysis is not on point. <laughs> look, I think on the double teaming factor, I have no trouble believing that they were all over him because he's one of their best options currently right yeah. now. But he's yeah. he's not capable of doing that. And, and he now has 11 straight. Think about this for James Harden. 11 straight playoff games with less than 25 points. 11 straight with less than 25. This is a guy that routinely put in 35, and that was a light night. He's, he's nowhere near that guy anymore. Carlin, if you keep telling me who you are, eventually I have to believe you, right? And you, you and keep with that, showing me who you are. And with that stat, that's exactly what you, what's happening. Yep. James Harden is telling the rest of the basketball world he is not a guy that's capable of being a high-volume scorer anymore. He's not going to drop 40 points. He's not going to drop 60 points. And furthermore, when it comes to the coverages that he saw last night, they weren't any different than the coverages that the Miami Heat put on Trey Young. They just weren't. The Miami Heat are—they're known to have that defensive versatility, where you got guys like Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker that can switch everything. It doesn't matter who they switch onto; nope. those guys know how to defend. Whether it's a small guy, a backcourt player, or a frontcourt player, so that's what James Harden saw. More of what the Miami Heat under Eric Spoelstra do defensively, and James Harden couldn't come up with enough answers in order to help his team win. And it's at a point now where they need James Harden to be a force multiplier because if he's not, that's how you have a team shoot less than 20% from three-point land. That, that's, that's exactly how you get the results. That's how you have a team that allows 22 points off of turnovers. That's how you have a team that allows 15 offensive rebounds. That, those are the things that, that get you beat. And that's the thing that I thought James Harden would bring to the Philadelphia 76ers to help Joel Embiid, to be that guy down the stretch that they needed to come up with buckets when nobody else had it going. I get wanting to try to get everybody involved early on, Carl, and I do. You'll hear a lot of NBA superstars say it. 
I want to get my teammates involved. I want to get them touches, get them into a rhythm, because I know I can get me anytime I want. The problem is James Harden can't get his points anytime he wants. No. He's deteriorating right before our eyes. I think he knew this last year when he was in Brooklyn, when he's when he stuck when he took a step back and said to Kyrie and said to Durant, I'll be the facilitator here. I think he knew what he was capable of. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. If you're the Sixers, this is the question. We're going to hit your calls here in a moment. How do you justify paying James Harden? Would you pay James Harden long-term? 888-SAY-ESPN. And this question that we get to right now. Did anyone win the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade? Because I've been hearing for weeks that this was such a walk away for the Sixers? Please show me how. Why? Because they won a series? Nobody has won this trade at all. Nobody wins. You have one guy you can't even get on the floor, and you have another guy that is a shadow of what he used to be and is about <laughs> to hold you hostage. He ought to bring in a mask and a gun when he's coming for his $270 million, <laughs> the way he's playing right now. Nobody has won this. Am I supposed to say the Nets did? Well, you know, Seth Curry played well. Oh, please. Nobody has won this trade, Chris. No, you know what? It's funny because when we start talking about trades, it's usually winners and losers. Sometimes it can end up being a win-win. But I think this might be the rare instance where we're talking about a lose-lose. And although the Philadelphia 76ers did clear that bar when it comes to being better than the Brooklyn Nets, it's hard to call James Harden being a part of this team a win just because it looks like they're on the verge of being ousted in the second round and this being a relatively short series. I could absolutely see a world where this ends up being a five-game series and the Sixers are done. I don't see how they're going to come back in this series. I I, I just don't I, see I'm, it. I'm just giving them a boost in a win because having Joel Embiid on the court and maybe being back I think home. that comes in game four, maybe. Yeah. But then you're going to go on the road. So you're going to be down 3-0? You might be. <laughs> you might be. Honestly, like, and I, I, I hate being the guy that is going to overreact off of one game. Mm-hmm. But that was not overreacting off of one game. That was confirming my suspicions. That was really showing me that, frankly, I was on the right path when I thought that James Harden was not capable of being that guy because you, me, everybody else on the planet, Bodner yesterday with us, all said the same thing. He has to, uh, Kesty, he has to go out there and have 35 and 40 and be James Harden, and he is not. That guy is a memory. Yeah. That guy is an NFT now. Carlin, I said that James Harden and Tyrese Maxey had to combine for 65 to 70 points to have a chance to beat the Miami Heat. I think they combined for 35 points last night. Yeah. How, how is that going to get it done? It's now, I, I get that you got more than you bargained for from Tobias Harris. Like, you, you're not expecting Tobias Harris to go off for 27 points. You and points. I both chuckled when we were talking yeah, about Tobias you're, Harris. You're, you're not expecting that. Like, you, you, it's got to be Tyrese Maxey and James Harden carrying the mail for the Sixers. And Harden's just not that player. And I got to be honest with you, Carlin, because he's such a non-factor, I think it limits a little bit of what you're getting from Tyrese Maxey. I think it does. And so my question is, if you're Doc Rivers, what are the adjustments that you're going to make to how the Heat are defending your backcourt players? Because if you can't find a way to get those guys going, the rest of your team is not going to get going. And where is that going to leave you against a squad as talented, as tough as the Miami Heat? Well, there is one guy who has an awful lot of confidence about the Miami Heat just going away and the Sixers are going to be able to get it done. Paul Reed. 
Who? Paul Reed. Who? Exactly. Paul Reed of the Sixers. He, if you, in case you didn't know, Paul Reed is a player on the 76ers. <laughs> in case you didn't know, Paul Reed is a player in the NBA. And Paul Reed says, nah, the Heat going to fold up like a lawn chair on Labor Day. Let's hear it. We can definitely beat this team. Uh, I think we go out there, we'll be more physical than them and play more aggressive and keep them on their heels. Uh, they're going to fold. Hell no. I'm just going to be more physical than three of the most physical players in the NBA. I'm going to be more physical than Bam out of Iowa. I'm just going to go out there and be more physical than P.J. Tucker and Jimmy Butler. Are you kidding me? This is the same Paul Reed that came off of a bench that got outscored by Tyler Hero by himself. The Sixers bench had 21 points. Tyler Hero dropped 25 in 29 minutes. What are we talking about, Paul Reed? They ain't seen did, Paul did, Reed did, did, did Doc Rivers put him up to saying this? They, they, is, is it, listen, is, is this is this another one of those Doc Rivers motivational tactics? They ain't seen Paul Reed smoke. You don't want that Paul Reed <laughs> that smoke. That Paul Reed smoke? Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> Come on. Nobody's ready for that Paul Reed smoke. You know why? Because we ain't never seen it. Who actually, I mean, was that just, you know what? What reporter, what, what columnist, whoever it was, who stuck a microphone in front of Paul Reed and said, I got to know what he thinks. Man, listen, man. Paul Reed is getting his minutes. He played 13 minutes last I night. I know. He don't know how many minutes he's going to play in game two or the rest it's of the playoffs. It's not a personal attack. It's just, it's like, not. It's just be, be I'm aware. I'm insulted as, as somebody that has been in the media scrum before of like, am I going to go talk to Paul Reed? Hey, uh, I'll let that go. Just have a little more awareness. That's all we're asking for. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Has anyone really won? The James Harden for Ben Simmons trade. That is the question for you. Line up on the CC call-in line at 888-729-3776. Up next, hey, Luca was amazing last night. Did anybody else play for the Mavericks? And are they going to play for the Mavericks the rest of this series? We'll discuss next. Canty and Carla at ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. They're going to fold. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hey, 
the NFL says that Hugh Jackson's tanking allegations could not be substantiated. I don't think anybody needed Hugh Jackson to say that there was tanking going on (laughs) or for Hugh Jackson to come out and really make a point of it when we all knew the Cleveland Browns were an awful team to begin with. So I think that Hugh's statements really didn't need to be said. We all knew it. We all knew how bad the Browns were already. No, we absolutely did. But the thing that I love about the Cleveland Browns and at the NFL is they don't care about the facts of the situation. That's not going to get in the way of a good denial. And that's exactly what we got yesterday when they leaked out the report that Mary Jo White, who was supposed to be the independent counsel that was investigating the allegations, determined that the, the, the allegations could not be substantiated. My whole point is if she's so independent, why is she getting paid by the NFL and the Cleveland Browns? How is that independent? That's never independent. No, it's never independent. But going back to the claims that Hugh Jackson was (laughs) making. That's like asking about Daniel Snyder's accountants. (laughs) I'm not going to touch that one. I'm not going to touch that one. But going back to Hugh Jackson's claims, I mean, we all knew what the Cleveland Browns were going to do, right? When they hired Paul DePodesta, who has a baseball background, we knew exactly the path that they were going towards. In 2016 and 2017, they were going to put together a roster that had no trouble losing a lot of games because they wanted to acquire the draft capital in order to build the foundation for sustained success in the future. And to their credit, that's exactly what they did. They drafted Miles Garrett with the number one overall pick, and then after that they drafted Baker Mayfield with the number one overall pick. They addressed the two most important positions in the NFL back-to-back drafts with the first overall pick. That means they got their choice of anybody that they wanted. So it it worked out in terms of what Cleveland was trying to do, but it didn't necessarily work out for Hugh Jackson, who ended up losing his job because of it. No. And and look, I I don't think Hugh Jackson's a particularly good coach to begin with. Two Two things can be true, though, Carlin. That's the part of this that everybody has to understand. Two things can be true. Hugh Jackson can be awful at his job, but we can also acknowledge that the chips were stacked against him when it came to being able to have success during his tenure as the Browns head coach. And I think that's all that he was trying to highlight on the heels of Brian Flores' lawsuit against the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos. That's all we're saying. You can't ignore the facts that black head coaches in the NFL have a year less when it comes to their current tenure in comparison to their white counterparts. That is a fact of the matter. So when it comes to going about this argument and this dispute, there is no debate. Black coaches don't get a fair shake when it comes to opportunities in the NFL. What a night for Luca, And that was about it. <laughs> Boy, Mavericks. Well, they almost gave us the backdoor cover. I mean, Luca went over the 30 and a half. We had a little parlay that we were thinking about playing last night. Yeah. Put a couple of bucks on Mavericks plus five and the and uh, over 30 and a half. We got the 30 and a half. Yep. We did not get the plus five. Those two damn free throws seven. at the end by <laughs> Devin Booker. That's what did us in. Ref swallowed a whistle. Don't call a foul when they trapped him on the baseline. Come on. Let's just let swallow the clock a whistle. run out. Exactly. 119-114. Nice backdoor cover. And, oh, by the way, we got the parlay with Luca over 30 and a half. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Look. I watched that series last night, and and you're not going to feel particularly good about the Mavericks' chances right now, and that's understandable. I am not surprised that they lost the game the way they did. I am not surprised 
that Chris Paul is playing at another level right now. The Mavericks, I, I am surprised at the alacrity with which the Phoenix Suns were able to handle everybody else. The idea from Monty Williams of, you get yours, Luca. we'll worry about everybody else, worked out last night. I don't know if it'll work for an entire series, but that was an excellent, excellent defensive plan on his part. It was a great plan until the fourth quarter when the Mavs shot 67% from the field and outscored Phoenix 35-25. to 25. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to be the concern. That has to be the thing that raises an eyebrow if you're Monty Williams or you're the Suns players. Now, I get it. You had a huge lead. It seemed insurmountable. But you're talking about that thing getting chopped to, what, a five-point deficit when it came to clutch time, clutch yeah. time minutes? So, I mean, that's not something that you can easily dismiss. And then if you couple that with the fact that you probably saw the worst game that you're going to see this series from Jalen Brunson he was, in game he was, one. I mean, what did he finish? Six of 16, six of 17? Six of 16. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, listen. Wasn't a great night for him. No, he has to be much better than that. No, he, and he usually is much better than that, though, yeah. Carlin. But that's my point, though. Like, if you're Phoenix, you're glad you got game one, mission accomplished. But you should have slammed the door shut against the Mavs, and you didn't. And that's why DeAndre Ayton said after the game that when it comes to playing against Dallas, you got to break the gas pedal. I mean, you put your foot all the way down and you don't let up because this team plays hard for 48 minutes. And I don't know that the Phoenix Suns were prepared for that. I'm not going to say that they're not a workmanlike team because they are under Monty Williams. But I think there's a difference in terms of the level of intensity that they play with and the effort that they play with in comparison to the Suns' first-round opponent in the Pels. Let's listen to Jason Kidd on his thought after the game about not just Luka but everybody else. We could have easily been down 30, you know, at halftime. But Maxi and, and LD were good. And then uh, looking at getting JB going there in that second half and Spencer, um, we got to do a better job there. But um, I thought Maxi and LD were great in the first half. And as we just talked about, LD was good in the second half too. Um, we just got to get help him get someone, you know, to join the party. Look, it's, it's fair enough to say uh, Spencer Dinwiddie plays 30 minutes in that game, can't have eight points. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be able to do some things more offensively. I don't care what the strategy is at that point. You still have if they're gonna let Doncic do that, somebody else. If they join the party, if Dinwiddie goes out there and has 16 last night, it's a much different situation. Then they end up winning the game, maybe. Well, the guy has to be Jalen Brunson. It has to be Jalen Brunson. Yeah. It's not gonna be Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie is a role player at this stage in his career. And role player, high end role player. You can, yeah, he's a high end role player, but nonetheless, he's a role player. And role players, he's not the number two. I role agree players you. in the NBA don't play well when they're going on the road in playoff games. That's yeah. just not the reality of it. So it's got to be Jalen Brunson. It's got to be Maxi Kleber coming off the bench, and it's got to be Luka Doncic. Now, what I thought was interesting is that the Suns didn't double on Luka as much as I thought they would. They decided, you know what, we're going to single cover Luka, yeah. and the other four guys on the court stay with your guys. We're not going to lo- let Luca spray the ball all over the court and get other guys involved. We'll let Luca get his 45, and we'll live with that, but we're not going to let anybody else well, beat us with saying. scoring. For last night, that was a good plan, as you pointed out, until late, but I don't know that that's a plan that will help you the entire rest of the series because I don't expect Jalen Brunson to have a night like he had last night. No, I'm with you. I, I don't think that's going to happen either. Let's go out to the CC calling line and bring on Christian in St. Louis. Christian, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? What's up, guys? Got 30 seconds. And 
and you the fuck. Uh, hey, why do you guys we, we don't talk about the? What, 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 Christian, I think want, he was upset. He didn't want to talk NBA. What's wrong with talking NBA? I think he was upset with us talking about the losing team so much in the NBA, as opposed to teams that are winning right now. Well, the teams that are winning are teams that we expect. You're talking about the Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Golden State Warriors, and the Miami Heat. What does he want? <laughs> I just don't get it, Christian. Don't worry, we got you. 